Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN on a Tuesday, the 3rd of October. And uh, right now we're talking about, uh, well, breast cancer. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I must tell you, if you're just joining the program. Not a big fan of all the pink, pink ribbons, pink in the NFL, and it's not because I don't have sympathy uh, for breast cancer patients and their families. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Um, It's... uh, to me, it's like a month-long reminder of a very traumatic experience. And I've yet to speak with a breast cancer survivor who derived any comfort or solace from receiving a pink sweater or a pink pen because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, it's a part of life that is really traumatic for people to uh, experience. And uh, obviously, I'd love to be able to do a show like this and have no callers. I mean, that would be awesome. That's the goal. But if breast cancer has impacted you and affected you, uh, I would like to know. And you don't have to use your real first name, your real hometown, or uh, whatever. It's just uh, yeah, the getting the information out there uh, is uh, is paramount. And every year, uh, well, the statistics are one in 1,000 men will develop breast cancer. Uh, the number is far more uh, significant for women. And uh, unfortunately, um, in in my life, quite a number of women um, to whom I have been close over the years have had breast cancer. And uh, it's almost like, uh, I don't know if this is a, um, a me thing or a Western New York thing or if it's a you thing as well, but uh, the, the numbers of people percentage-wise just seem to defy all probability. Uh, your experiences with it, and uh, something else I want to pick up on from the last hour. How many of you listening only survived your breast cancer because a relative or a friend of yours said, I have breast cancer, and that put the fear of God into you, and you went and you had your mammography or other um, imaging done or examinations done, and sure enough, you ended up with, uh, with breast cancer. 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Here is uh, Charlie in uh, Depew, I believe. You're on WBEN. Hello. Hey, Tom. How are you doing today, buddy? Yes, sir. Uh, well, first I wanted to apologize because I, I jumped on kind of late, and it wasn't until I was on hold that I realized that it was a, a breast cancer topic. I mean, I, I wanted to call about the ribbons. Um, I... About 15 years ago, uh, my dad lost my dad to lung cancer, 
uh, 12 years ago, lost my sister, who actually you knew at the time, uh, to brain cancer. And I myself just got done with lung cancer, not lung cancer, that was my father. I had uh, throat cancer. Oh. And it's the ribbons to us were like a sign of support. And we actually got comfort in it when we would see family members or friends wearing a ribbon. Uh, like, for instance, for me, my wife was, was wearing the burgundy and ivory. My son wears T-shirts with, you know, I wear this for my dad, you know, stuff like that. And in a way, it was comforting to know that I had that support. Even when it was over with, like my sister, for example, gray gray ribbon is for the brain cancer. Uh, she appreciated the support. She appreciated seeing everybody uh, wearing the uh, babushkas on their head because she was hiding the scars from surgery. And uh, you know, and to this day, when I when I I I have gray ribbons, I look at them. I do think of not so great thoughts because she went through more stuff than I could possibly. That's the toughest woman I ever met in my life. And to see what she went through, all that does is remind me, you know what, there's other people out there that have the same thing going on and they need the support just, just like my sister needed it. And that's, you know, that's my thought on the ribbons. I don't know. I think you're the first person with whom I've ever spoken. Who's actually been through that experience who's actually derived any comfort from it because I can tell you universally 100% of the women I know hate the whole pink ribbon, pink sweater, pink whatever. They they can't stand it. It's like a month-long, 31-day reminder of the worst period of their life. I mean, I'm, if yeah. you get comfort from it, I'm glad, but I don't talk to many people. In fact, I believe you are the first one uh, that has uh, uh, derived any uh, measure of uh, I don't want to say satisfaction, but comfort from it. Um, I mean, do you do you don't need though? I mean, you you just went through uh, um, throat cancer. I'm guessing right. you don't really need any reminders of the day you were diagnosed. You know exactly what day, what time, what you were doing, et cetera. Correct? Well, exactly. But I'll tell you what. I right now I'm 100% cancer free. The, the the I went through I went through hell as far as uh, chemotherapy. I went. I had to have surgery done. Uh, they cut my neck from under my ear all the way to the other side of the Adam's apple. Uh, took 40 lymph nodes out of my neck. Took out my tonsil and a nice chunk of meat out of the back of my throat. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, I I went through hell. I had to. I was on the liquid diet for weeks. But to this day, right now, as I, as I'm looking, I I have a ribbon. I, I wear a pin on my jacket. I got a survivor bracelet on my wrist. I have a. I drive a tractor trailer. I got a ribbon on the dashboard of my truck, and that's so I look at it. And I'm like, you know what? Things could have went in a bad direction, like they did with my family members, but luckily, caught it early, kicked its ass, and and it's. I'm I'm I'm, I'm proud of what I went through and that I was able to go through it. But I was also able to go through it because the support that I felt and that I received from loved ones and family members. 
Well, I'm obviously I'm happy that it worked for you. Um, I can say that the times have been laid up in my life. Uh, the biggest show of support that I received is when people dropped off bottles of tequila uh, to me uh, and when people would bring food over to me. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but I love in- Indian food. So if somebody's willing to take the time and trouble to bring me Indian food, it was like, yeah, baby. Uh, but are, are you the kind of person, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, I think we all have some duality in this, but typically, are you the kind of person who looks forward or who looks backward? Uh, I look, I, I'm more often, more often than not, I look backward. Yeah, um, see, I, I look, I look forward and I like to, I mean, again, this is, this is a me thing. If you ask me what I did on the show Friday, I couldn't tell you. If you ask me what I'm going to do tomorrow, I've got some ideas because I, I try to look forward and, and granted when it is um, appropriate and when I think it's relevant, I'll bring up some of the nonsense uh, uh, that uh, has has happened. But, um, you know, for you, look, if, if it works for you, it, it, it works for you. But I, I will again, I, I have to be brutally honest with you um, to a lot of breast cancer survivors, the whole month worth of pink uh it, it it's uh, it's almost like bringing back post traumatic stress, right? You know, I I mean I can't I can't speak for women. I, I mean I really shouldn't speak for anybody, but I do have a friend of mine whose father had breast cancer, and he did have surgery, and he had to have a mastectomy done for how whatever however you pronounce it. I think the one side of his chest he had to have removed, and you know he's been he's been good ever since. He's got you know, pink golf club covers and the pink golf bag. And, you know, I mean, he's, he, he really gets into the pink thing. He's, you know, he's always wearing pink socks and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know about, about everybody, but yeah, I mean, the I, I, myself personally, I've, I don't know. I've never met a woman that I, that had breast cancer. I quite honestly, I'm 53. Wow. I, I knew I guess there's a lot of other cancers, you know, I mean, we, we dealt with it through our, our house, but, uh, you know, well, the, can, the one consider person- yourself, consider yourself fortunate or blessed, whatever words you want to use, because in all honesty, in my circle, it's, it's the rule, not the exception. Yeah. Well, I just also wanted to, I, I kind of had a funny little story. Uh, my sister about 12 years ago or so, she was other than your mom. I don't know if I would ever, know any uh, a bigger Tom Barley fan than my sister was oh. and I, know, I don't know if you would remember her but I know her and her husband and some other people used to meet you out at, at like I don't remember if it was Lawn Fates beer tents at Lawn Fates or whatever the case may be but if there was alcohol uh, anything's a possibility yes <laughs> but she was you know and anytime she would meet up with you you know the next day she'd call and brag about it well anyway about two weeks before she passed away uh I stopped and you know I was hanging out by her bedside and she's going crazy with the phone, going crazy with her phone. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, trying to call Tom, trying to call Tom. I don't know why he's not answering. And I says, I says, Tammy, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I said, he's on the radio. She goes, I know. She goes, I know where he is. I don't know why he's not answering. I mean, she wasn't quite right towards the end there with, you know, with all the brain surgeries. And so we we had to actually take her phone away and we had to move the hospital phone away from the table so she couldn't reach it. She was blowing up. She was blowing up the studio trying to get a hold of you. Oh my goodness! I, uh, I, 
you know, in, in a weird way, I'm like deeply touched by what you have just told me. And I really wish that she would have been able to reach me if that would have given her any comfort whatsoever. Um, I thank you very much. Um, I'm going to get emotional here in a minute. So it's, then, best uh, that I, it's, it's best that I say farewell at this point before I break down. All right. All right. All right Tom, thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, you know, over the years, periodically, I, I hear stories like that. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's really touching. Um, and sometimes, well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, your experiences with breast cancer. Did a whole show about cancer a few months ago, but this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I think it's an important show to do. <coughs> Pardon me. And unlike the previous caller, um, in all uh, honesty and candor, uh, with with your humble host here, women who have experienced breast cancer are, I would say, in the majority and not the minority amongst uh, the people I know. Here's Julie in Williamsville on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. How are you? Yes, ma'am. So I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. My mother had breast cancer. My maternal grandmother had breast cancer. All um, minimally invasive, um, so able to be taken care of. And um, we have always felt that um, the pink ribbons are they're a good thing because they help people support one another. It's a sign of awareness. Um, but if, if it's not presented correctly, um, in other words, people can be capitalizing on the breast cancer um, disease by making money off of it and very little of it actually going to breast cancer research. So when I um, ask people or people ask me, how can I support breast cancer? There's, you know, there's some websites and some organizations that will have the majority, if not all of the proceeds go to breast cancer research or breast cancer awareness. And yet there's others, you know, sometimes, um, you know, people sell shirts or I'm just using some generic thing um, for breast cancer awareness. They're pink and people think that, oh, if I buy this shirt, then there's going to be a large majority of that money going for breast cancer research. They feel good about what they're doing. But in reality, um, it's a moneymaker for, for, for some folks. Well, people, there are charity, there are reputable charity rating sites online. So if anybody has any doubts, they can just go to those sites and check them out. Yes, absolutely, and that's what, but, I, that's I, mean, what as far, I would recommend. You know, Jules, as far as the um, as far as the, uh, um, the, uh, the the pink stuff is concerned, one woman, at least one woman in particular, was so militantly anti pink ribbons, pink shirts, pink this, pink that. I mean, she is a woman of uh, very strong opinions, and she made it real clear: if you give me anything pink, I am not talking to you again. Wow. Well, I, I don't share that same opinion. I feel that, um, you know, my journey was supported by other women who have been, been through either something very similar. And it, it's always been a, a reminder to me that um, there is a huge network of support. There are resources available. And um, yet we still haven't found a cure for this cancer or any other cancer. And we need to. We need to, we need to, to keep advocating for the research to be done so that uh, a cure can be found because 
even though they're getting better at, at detecting it, if, you, um, if you're a woman and you're getting regular mammograms, um, you know, it's, uh, it's treatable in many cases unless it's too advanced. And so, you know, that encouragement to have people go in and, and be checked regularly and, and not take their, you know, their lives for, for granted, you know, making sure that they, um, that, that they, they know that, that there's people out there to help them get the treatments that they need and the testing that they need. And, uh, you know, you can do that for free in many, in many ways or many cases. So um, there's, there's a lot of good uh, resources and availability. My, my, my story, I, I was diagnosed oh, in Ju- 20- Julie, I, I, I want to hear your story. Unfortunately, I'm a prisoner of the clock. So if you can hold on Got for it. about 10 minutes. Um, I can. I'll, excellent. All right, put you on hold. I want to hear your story, my love. It's just that I, I'm looking at the clock, and I don't want to get myself into trouble because uh, – Tanner Saunders would, um, uh, he let's just say he would make sure I never had to worry about testicular cancer. You understand my drifter? All right, he's got the sharp knife ready. Okay, uh, make a capon out of me. Uh, anyway, it is uh, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Bowerly, talking about breast cancer, this part of the program, your experiences with it, what made you actually go and get yourself checked out? I, I'm going to guess that 9 out of 10 of you uh, – did so because a friend had breast cancer or a family member, and then you got checked, and it turned out you were among the crowd. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, Tanner Saunders whipping out ELO's confusion? I did not see this coming. This is when Jeff Lynn had eyes, by the way. Uh, little known fact, uh, his eyes actually over... <laughs> I've never seen Jeff Lynn's eyes since 1978 in any picture. Anyway, uh, welcome. It is uh, Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN. I'm always uh, excited to find out that guys like Jeff Lynn and Jimi Hendrix um, can't read, well, couldn't read a note of music, but they could just play it. It's amazing how many uh, pop artists have absolutely no knowledge of how to read music because I don't have a bloody clue anyway it's uh 437 at news radio 930 wben uh welcome to the show and uh tell you what we're talking about something that uh, i i'm gonna confess uh, it's and I'm, I'm not doing this because of pandering purposes just stop um 
it's intensely personal to a lot of you. It's intensely personal to me. And it is, um, it is breast cancer. And it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, look, do I have a pet peeve about the pink ribbons and all the pink stuff? Um, I find it to be an annoyance. And part of that is because someone I know uh, who is a breast cancer survivor is so militantly anti the pink stuff. And then I started asking other people I know who are breast cancer survivors, and we actually laugh about it. And, you know, it, it's the laugh that only people who have experienced it can fully appreciate. Okay, it's, it's rather sardonic, if you will, um, and somewhat ironic as well. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. And one of the questions that I, I want to ask you, too, is uh, – what made you get checked for breast cancer? And I'm going to guess for most of you, it's not Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's not a show like this one. It's the fact that a family member or a friend of yours came down with breast cancer. Now, Julie was on a breast cancer journey, and I had to interrupt her. Julie, go right ahead. Thank you, Tom. Um, you know, I, I wound up being uh, diagnosed at age 44 the first time, and um, I was screened starting at a very early age because my mom had breast cancer, and my maternal grandmother also had breast cancer. I did the um, genetic testing. I was put through the ringer with that, and um, I did not test positive for the BRCA gene, which is the gene that is known to be linked to breast cancer. Um, but we definitely feel like there's uh, there's some kind of a genetic genetic component, maybe one that, that hasn't been found as of yet. So on, in 2014, I had a lumpectomy and six weeks of radiation, followed by, um, you know, medication, estrogen blocking medication, because my cancer was, was estrogen positive. Um, and then eight years later, even though I was being followed very carefully, um, I was diagnosed again and it was bilateral breast cancer um, in both breasts. And so I went ahead and, and uh, said, okay, we're, we're not gonna take any more chances. I had a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. I opted to go to um, New Orleans to have my surgery because um, just based on the research um, and the doctors, I met with four different teams of doctors here and, um, you know, you're faced, I think anybody who has a breast cancer diagnosis, um, you're faced with many decisions and you have to be an advocate for yourself. I was an advocate for myself and my family was, was very supportive of that. And it led me to some very fine doctors. In, in New Orleans, and that's where I, I had the double mastectomy. And I don't usually I don't usually name names, but did you go to the Oxner Clinic? I did not. I went to um, the Center for Restorative Breast um, gotcha. Surgery. Well, I mean, just but just are, I mean, you you probably already know this, but uh, I know of at least one very talented um, tattoo artist who is able to do uh, the nipples on the artificial breasts and does a great job. Yes. Yes, and that's, you know, these are the things that, to me, when, when I see pink ribbons, when people are, are supporting breast cancer, it opens up the door for, I think, maybe a little bit more com comfortable conversation among people, um, willingness to say, you know what, I know somebody who's been through this, or, um, you know, I, I can lead you for, uh, you know, for, for different resources, because, 
I mean, like a lot of cancers, breast cancer is not a, you know, it's, it's not a cookie cutter disease. It's not right. always the same. Every person who deals with it deals with it very differently. And in very many, option, in very many um, situations, they, they have options. And, um, and that, to me, for, for me, I, I didn't, thank God, have a, a life-threatening illness that I was faced with. It was, I was scared to death, but, but I knew, and I knew I had to take care of it, and if I took care of it, then I'd be okay. That was really my mindset. But uh, the options and the, the going to different doctors and, and, and finding out, really getting as much information as I could so that I could advocate for myself and make the best decision for myself and my body and my family was that was the hardest thing it was it was mental torture just trying to deduce what was going to be the best course of of treatment and um and put me in the best place without having a crystal ball to see how i would wind up with the decisions i was making let me let me ask you um how long um how long did it take you um, psychologically to adapt to the new reality um, prior to the um, reconstruction surgery and then afterward? You know, the um, I still think it, you know, the, you know, I did see a therapist. I'm still seeing a, ther- a therapist. Good. Um, and and I, I believe that 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 is helping me move forward i am i've always been somebody that looks forward and not backward um you know i feel like everything happens for a reason and if this was somehow meant to make me realize some things about myself being stronger being loved being um supported being able to give back to others and you know in similar situations i think that's been more my mindset um when I was going through, I, I had a period of time, I had the double mastectomy and I had reconstructive surgery all at the same time. The recovery was agonizing. It was a very, very difficult recovery because what I, what I actually did is I took my own tissue from my, from my belly and had the doctors reconstruct the breasts with microsurgery techniques and things like that. Right. Um, it was, I have n- no regrets whatsoever for the the journey that you know the path that I chose in my journey but um, you know I think you know knowing that there are options available for especially the reconstructive piece uh, that's I think that's an important thing for people to know that there are a lot of different types of of, um, of reconstructive procedures that that many people can qualify for um, it was it was just exhausting, mentally and physically exhausting all the way around. Mm-hmm. And it was probably not until maybe July that I started to feel, okay, I'm on a real path for recovery. I'm getting my strength back. I'm, a, I'm back to about 80%. And that was this summer, and that was less than a year after I had this major surgery and major reconstruction, because I also have a belly scar that goes from hip to hip. Oh. So it was it was a lot, but um, but I feel like right now I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm you know more appreciative of life and and thank God and you know just all of those things because of what I've gone through. 
Um, I, I can imagine. Now, the, uh, the, the belly scar. I mean, there are so many talented surgeons out there who are able to cut in certain places where the body has natural folds to kind of obscure the scar. But I cannot imagine the amount of tissue that was required to use your own skin to reconstruct your breast. That had to be a horrible thing, opening you up to a, a, a real chance of infection. Am I right? Yes, yes. You, you know, with, with all surgeries, there are definitely risks. And, you know, when you have cancer, the treatments very often are immune compromising. So um, that was one of the reasons that, that I went to New Orleans to have this surgery. I wound up, um, I had a bit of a, I would say, just a small amount of, of belly fat that they could use to reconstruct the breast. I'm a like a, a, a D cup I was, you know, before, before I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was hoping to get back to that. And the doctors that um, I was able to meet with in New Orleans um, were able to do what's called a hybrid deep flap reconstructive surgery. So they used some of my belly tissue and blood vessels and a small implant, a very small implant, but they put the tissue, the uh, belly tissue over the implants so that your breasts, when you're done, feel like breasts. They're not super hard and um, cold to the touch. So that was, that I was, I was fortunate that I was based on my cancer and you know how early I caught it and all of those things that I was a candidate for this kind of surgery. Not every woman is, um, but I feel very fortunate that that I that I was. And yes, yeah, so you know, it was it was a lot. You you said something that. Um that caught you know, made my ears perk up when you said I was a D cup and I wanted to get back to that. And the point that I'm trying to make here, and again, this, this is not, I'm not trying to be uh, sexual lascivious or anything like that, but I'm just talking about a woman's body image. Um, the breasts, given the role they play in our society uh, and the focus on breasts in our society that was a big deal to you to get back to being a D cup. And I just, I think that maybe even without realizing it, you kind of underscored a point that we tried to make a little bit earlier about the psychological ramifications of, in your case, a double mastectomy with the reconstructive surgery. All you wanted was you back. Yeah. I wanted to look and feel like myself. And you know, it's a very personal decision. Women, um, you know, they, many people feel like, you know, my breasts are, um, they've served a purpose. I don't need them. If they're causing me problems, we'll just take them off and I'll be flat. And that's, you know, that's part of the beauty and the celebration in a way of, of the scars and, and how we're, we always say we're not survivors, but we're thrivers. And, and um, you know, everybody's decisions are very personal. For me, I wanted to. I wanted to be able to wear my clothes and look like myself. I, of course, I have lots of scars now, but I still wanted to look and feel like myself. When I, I'm a teacher, I didn't want my, my students and my, uh, the people that I work with to be looking at me any differently. Or, you know, I, I wanted them to see me as somebody who has gone through something and overcome challenges and is strong and healthy and, um, and, and moving forward with life and can just be kind of a role model, hopefully, for, for others.
Well, Julia, it's been a very informative phone call, and I, I want to thank you for all the detail that you gave and uh, for telling your story again in a very clear and linear fashion and not going off into the weeds like I usually do. Um, I thank you kindly, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Julie. Uh, what a remarkable woman. I know there's lots of remarkable women and a lot of remarkable men listening to the show who can relate to that. So a few months ago, um, we did the show about all kinds of cancer. And the takeaway from that particular show was the importance of colonoscopies. I cannot tell you how many people called in and said, yeah, you know what? Everything was fine. I got a colonoscopy. And it turned out I had colon cancer. And today... Uh, the focus is on breast cancer. And again, uh, I know for many of you, it's very, very personal. For me, it is very, very personal. A disproportionate number of women that I have known and that I do know are survivors of breast cancer. It's uncanny. So I've got a bit, perhaps, of a skewed perspective on this. Um, obviously, uh, it is somewhat emotional to all of us who... Uh, have been through it uh, in one way, shape, or form. And uh, let's go to Heinrich in uh, Ontario. Is it Heinrich? Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Uh, Henrik. Henrik. Go ahead, please. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm from Ontario here, originally from Poland. But I'm talking, uh, was listening to your, your radio for like two, three years, and I liked it. And you're talking about the breast cancer. And then I got my three cents for that. You know, you're talking about the curing cancer, but uh, where this come from? Why, where did the breast cancer come from? I was reading a long time ago that, you know, like um, one, about one of three women, West countries, in lifetime may have breast cancer. But women in Africa, one or 200 may have breast cancer. And main reason for that is only the women in the West countries, they wear bra. Wearing the bra make problem because when the bra is tight, is um, on the side of the body, is pressing some, some nutrition going to the, the breast. I don't know the name, medical name for that. And the breast doesn't have nutrition. It's blocking nutrition to the breast. That's why women right. in the West, they have this problem with the breast. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, there's actually no credible scientific evidence showing that bras cause breast cancer. So I made that a very quick call. Um, I just, I'm sorry, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, no evidence to suggest that whatsoever. As far as cross-cultural studies of uh, breast cancer, if you assume, as I do, that many of our disease processes are genetically based, well, if you've got a rather homogeneic population in Africa and you've got a heterogeneic population in the United States, uh, perhaps it has more to do with genetics than it does with um, any other factor. I don't discount nutrition. I don't discount chemicals or anything like that, but uh, I just I cannot let a call go on when there's no evidence to back up that bras uh, contribute to breast cancer, at least not as of this moment. So 
Sorry, but I, just, I had to move on. It's uh, 456 at News Radio 930 WBEN, 803 Star 930, and uh, 1 800 616 WBEN. Bowerly with you on a Tuesday. And uh, thanks again for Joe Beamer for uh, sitting in for me yesterday. I had the uh, 24 hour bug, which actually was more like the 48 hour bug, but. Uh, it was good because it helped me work out my ab muscles. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with more calls after the news at 5 at News Radio 930 WBEN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.